Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Hot Shots. In Hot Shots, Charlie Sheen plays Topper Harley, one of the best pilots the Navy has ever seen. He had left the armed services after a tragic incident, but is being called back in for a critical mission to destroy Saddam Hussein's nuclear facilities. Screenplay by Jim Abrahams and Screenplay by Jim Abrahams and Pat Proft, directed by Jim Abrahams, and released on July 31st, 1991. Have you seen Hot Shots before? Yeah. Yeah, I have too. <laughs> uh, I don't remember a whole lot about it, though. I, I, I remember the uh, the gag from the second one with like the chicken and the crossbow yeah. more yeah, part than this. Do. Part do. All right. I, I feel like I've seen part do more than part one, I guess. I wonder if Part Two is a better movie. I think. I remember thinking that I I don't know I remember liking that one but maybe because it was I feel like that movie was on HBO more than this one. Mm. And whatever was on TV the most is what I watched. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I know that we rented this one. And the thing that I think I remember the most about this were two things. One was the the food eating, erotic food eating scene. So like as a kid that sort of stuck out, like the olive from the belly button into yeah, her mouth. Yeah, and then, yeah. Which that's they from, claim is not trick photography or, you know, That's from nine effects. and a half weeks. <laughs> but, um, so that was sort of like a weird memory that came flooding back. And then also at the very end in the credits when you have like the, uh, the images of the dead people at the end in the oh. clouds. Oh, okay. Because I thought, and honestly, like when we watched Top Gun a few years back, mm-hmm. I thought that that was going to be in Top Gun since it's supposed to be like a spoof of Top oh, Gun. Oh, well. So I thought, like, I mean, you know, the people who died in Top Gun were going to, you know, show up like in the goose? clouds. Yeah, like That's, over the credits. That or would something. be too cheesy for Top Gun. I don't know. <laughs> there are parts of Top Gun that are kind of cheesy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. It, that, that was I also remember that kind of like slightly scaring me as a kid because I don't know anytime you see like people who are supposed to be dead like moving I don't know oh. it's like this weird thing you know 10 year old kid mentality kind of creepy like ghost like thing um this movie is not as good as Naked Gun 2 yes but it's not terrible I just don't think it's I don't think it's quick paced enough for what it's trying to do as a spoof movie i think it's fine like you know it has a ton of jokes packed in there yeah but i think it's like jokes 
for that time period only because I had to look some things up. <laughs> okay. Like that Charles Barkley thing. I don't know oh. if you even... Well, I, I just assumed... I didn't know it was referencing a specific incident, and I think it was. Yeah. Um, but I knew that they were both notorious, quote-unquote, bad boys of basketball. Yeah, there's so, a... There's a notor- I even found the YouTube clip of their fight that that references. Okay. Because I was like, I don't know, reading the trivia <laughs> about it, and the whole thing... Because in my mind, I'm like, oh, they just have Charles Barkley there. Yeah. But I'm like, but why is he there? Yeah, and I know that, like, okay, Bill Lambier, who was the guy in the face mask yeah. who Barkley was fighting, he has a Super Nintendo game called Bill Lambier's Combat Basketball. Mm. Right? He's known as being, like, um, an instigator. He's, he, you know, he's a, I don't want to say tough guy. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he, he was, I guess. Like a but bad like, boy. Yeah, he was, you know, he was part of the bad boy Pistons. Uh, which was, you know, like Dennis Rodman and Bill Ambeer, and they were troublemakers on the court. Like, they were instigators and, like, caused havoc and shit. I feel, That's part yeah, of their I was, appeal. Like, too young to, to know that. Because I, I just always thought, like, Dennis Rodman was the quote, bad, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, that sort of spurred from the Pistons era. Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. So, like, that, basically, they have a two-second cutaway shot as part of an entire rumble in this whole bar where uh, Topper Harley is uh, confronted by Kent Gregory, played by Carrie Elwes, who is his rival in this movie. Uh-huh. And um, one of them pushes the other, and then someone calls out for a fight, and so everyone in the bar just starts fighting each other randomly. Yeah, and then they, that's when they and show they Charles have, Barkley. And yeah. they have a little cutaway shot. Which is kind of interesting, you know, it's an interesting concept of, you know, oh, push, and then everyone just, like, pairs up and just starts fighting whoever's next to them for mm-hmm. no reason, and then it stops. Was there any other stuff that you had to look up that you can think of? That was the main one, but Okay. I'm, then it's just, like, a lot of the jokes were... The other one that I was kind of curious about was also sports-related, the boxing match... Um, where they have these two fighters. So, like, part of the thing is... The plot really doesn't matter. Like, I don't know if you've seen Top Gun. So, I mean, yeah, like, someone is trying to do something nefarious, and so they meet somebody at a boxing match to talk about how well their plan is going. And um, part of the joke is that the boxing match is between two fighters managed by Don King, notorious boxing promoter of um, Mike Tyson. And some yeah, of I guess guys. if you don't know who Don King is. But part of the joke is also that someone throws like a phantom punch that's clearly way far away from the other guy and you know the other boxer just falls down like the fight's rigged. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I was like, is that referencing a specific incident? Or is that just because of I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so did it or do you, do you know? I'm not 100% sure um, I saw something about how there may have been like a phantom punch at a Muhammad Ali fight that Don King was involved with so maybe it was referencing something from that far back but it could just be that you know Don King maybe was assumed to have rigged his fights and so you have two Don King fighters mm-hmm. fighting against each other do minimal damage steal people's money is one punch and it's done and 
know, yeah, it could be something as simple as that. Like something that you would only know at that time. Kind of like with mm-hmm. Na- Naked Gun Two and a Half with the Jaja Gabor slap. Right. Yeah, there's. But a... I knew about that one for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that was on all kinds of like late night. Okay. monologues and stuff like it's that. It's just like so. the... I wouldn't have known about these sports things at when I was like 10 years old. But I do think some of the jokes... I, I don't think there were a whole lot of... Um, I mean, some of the jokes in here, I was just like... Uh, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, it tried too hard? It it either tried too hard or it was too obvious or, of yeah. a setup. Yeah, like the whole thing with dead meat where he's about to fly and he's talking to his wife and, you know, a black cat goes by. He goes underneath a ladder. His wife breaks the mirror. Yeah. Like all these, like, you know, superstitions. Yeah. Of bad luck. And how he keeps talking about all these, like, amazing things like, oh, I've solved climate change or I have all the evidence of who killed JFK. Right. I'll give it to you when I get back. Right. Like that joke is supposed to be funny but to me I feel like that's like something you see at a random improv <laughs> like student workshop thing I don't know yeah I think it, it sort of works because of how long and prolonged it is like it's sort of like unfunny long enough that it becomes a little bit funny yeah but yeah and then like when he dies and it's like yeah and he's like oh i can fly like um like he did a peter pan reference like wendy i can fly mm-hmm. and i was like because mm-hmm. he gets hit by an ambulance he survives the plane crash yeah and the he survives comes to pick him up and gets hit by the ambulance but i feel like but the ambulance part made me laugh though like when they were trying to shove him into the ambulance sure. Yeah, and he's just getting beat up the whole time. Just the way that they were treating him, and, like, they were going over all these bumps and stuff, and his body inside the ambulance is being, like, you know, flopping up and down left and right. I don't... That yeah. that was funny. And then he it gets... Like, I think the funniest part was at the very end when, you know, he's going into the hospital room with the doctor. Yeah. And the doctor's talking about how he's, like, bad at his job and stuff like that, and... Yeah, that whole part was funny. It was like it was like leading up to it was. But yeah, it's such a long chain of stuff. Yeah, (laughs) and it kind of becomes humorous because it's going so long. Yeah, but I think also part of why it doesn't quite work is because we're thirty years removed from that, and so. You know, comedy is difficult to stay fresh. But there's so many like, people who have like gun. done the same thing since then that we've seen that it kind of it feels old hat, but it might have been newer back then. Yeah, yeah. And back then, watching this, I was probably cracking my ass off. I don't know. Yeah. As like an eleven year old, I don't even know what I'm saying. Cracking. Cracking your ass off. <laughs> cracking my ass off. <laughs> but I'm I'm saying like comparing this to Naked Gun it's like Naked Gun is still I haven't seen that movie in a long time too and then when we watched that that was the first one extreme the first and second yeah the second one less so but yes they're both better than this movie yeah 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 they're both better than this one and um I don't know I'll say this I mean it, it does still try to pack in a lot of jokes there's stuff happening in the background at various different times there's visual gags it's the same type of approach where everyone plays it very serious 
-hmm. But I think it goes a little bit too far here. You have like Charlie Sheen and and Carrie Elwes and uh, Valerie Galino, Valeria Galino, as the the main leads, and they are stone faced basically the entire time, and you know doing like very dramatic acting in these scenarios. Mm-hmm. And I think what the difference is is like Leslie Nielsen, he's playing the straight man, like he's not reacting to anything that's going on around him. Mm. He's oblivious. But he's still, in a sense, mugging to the camera. He's, you know, he's not taking it. He's not delivering his lines with gravitas. Yeah, like and I the, think that's the difference. Is like this has so much gravitas that it kind of is like, I don't know. It's going too much in that like direction. They, they feel as if they are filming a drama when it's a comedy. Yes, and. I think it's just too or much maybe for that's a spoof. why it's supposed to be funny because they're just taking it so seriously. I think that is part of what it's supposed to be. I just don't think it works because it's not like the Leslie Nielsen approach of yeah, just you know, it's okay to be oblivious. goofy and, yeah. and like you know, a, a wacky character who just doesn't say and do wacky things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. It's a delicate balance. Spoofs are tough. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff that they do in the beginning, you know, when they're on the the aircraft carriers on the water, you know, a lot of stuff that you kind of expect. You have people, like, roasting hot dogs on the jet fires or yeah, you know, the, people that playing stuff, like showing tennis them, over the nets that are supposed to catch the planes yeah, or things like that. Yeah, and they show, like, a handicap spot that someone goes yeah. into or them trying to parallel park their plane. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're sort of clever jokes, but they're also just like, yeah, okay. I what else can you do besides right. that exact type stuff? Mm-hmm. So it, it's 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 difficult. Uh, I think the other thing that I noticed it, there aren't a lot of like other movie spoofs, so I don't remember Top Gun all that much, to be honest with you. So I don't know how this spoofs the actual movie of Top Gun or if he, that even matters yeah I haven't it's been a while and then I was like wait was Kelly McGillis was she a therapist I thought she was an instructor because you know Valeria is like a therapist mm-hmm. character named Ramada Thompson which I think is supposed to be maybe a joke but I don't get like it like Ramada Inn right but, but what's Thompson? Uh, I don't know. See, I don't know. It, it's like, like, yeah, like Topper Harley is supposed to be sort of a joke in a sense because he rides a motorcycle and like right. Harley Davidson, Topper, whatever. Um, some of the other characters, yeah, I like, mean, obviously Dead Meat. Yeah, obviously he's going to be the one that dies. And his last name is also Thompson, which is weird. Huh. From what I see. Yeah. Um, and then you have... Uh, Washout. Washout. Tug. You have Lloyd Bridges is Tug and John Cryer is Washout. And then you have um, Bill Irwin as Buzz Harley, which is another... I mean, that's his dad. Mm-hmm. And then the mailman. dad of Carrie Eloise is Ryan Stiles, who's Mailman. Dominic Mailman. Mailman Farnham. Yeah. And then I think those are the 
Well, because in Top Gun, you everyone had their like. I mean, they had their, their code names. Yeah, their code names, but the, these are their code names or their. And then like their their captain or whatever, um, their drill sergeant leader is Red Herring. Yeah. So I mean, there's like, but I mean, even like the clever names like Dead Meat, I get it. Like that's yeah, it's meant to explain what's going to happen. Die. You know, in these types of movies, that someone is going to die, right? Like that's that's sort of like the thing. Um, Washout isn't that clever of a thing. Yeah. Kent Gregory doesn't even have a nickname, I don't think, that we've ever seen. Who? Kent Gregory. No. Carrie Elvis's character. Which is, I mean, Which he's supposed to be, like, the Iceman. Right. Parody. Yeah. And instead he has, like, the most generic name. Yeah, and then, how come he doesn't have the same last name as Dominic Mailman Farnham? I don't know. <laughs> I was, that's <laughs> why I was like, wait a second. Or something. How come he doesn't have the same name? But, I mean, that was probably one of the best sequences in the movie to me. Is Okay, so he he explains that he's Kent Gregory's dad when they're all being introduced in the, the barracks. And then uh, Washout comes and says, Oh, I'm so sorry. My dad was the hunter that killed your dad. Yeah, I'm, that and was funny. And then it like, goes and into then... like this huge chain of coincidences and like you know, connections so that everyone in the barracks were, were connected. And I thought that was pretty clever. That they went. Yeah, I like, that was funny. Yeah, I liked that. And then, you know, it had like Christy, Christy Swanson is like the token woman in, you know, yeah. this, because there always has to be like a woman in the uh, Air Force or in the Navy or whatever. And I mean, that whole joke was like how the sergeant was always calling her ugly or... Cause, well, mistaking like, her yeah, for a man. Yeah, make sure you shave your facial hair or something like that was one of the lines. Yeah, it was just, like, she's obviously, like, a pretty woman, and he's, like, straighten up your back, soldier. You look ugly slouching like that when she's, like, still just standing straight. I don't know. <laughs> just the, the pretty woman in that group. It, and, yeah, I wish that there would have been more to do with some of these characters. I mean, because... I don't know, a couple of them got nicknames and they didn't do a whole lot. Yeah, I don't understand. It's such a large, large cast. I don't understand Washout or even Tug. I mean, Washout was in there a lot. He's in it, but... He was the catalyst for Dead Meat dying because he gets sort of kicked out and then he takes Topper's place because Topper's late to arrive for the mission. And so, you know, he causes the plane crash. Um, and then he becomes like the radar guy and it, the whole thing is that he has bad eyesight and you know there's a whole bunch of different jokes about that yeah those the jokes about like, his eyesight I was like not getting and there's this whole thing where they use like a fisheye lens to show his POV like his point of view in a couple of different scenes yeah. and so I was like okay I mean eh. <laughs> but, <laughs> whatever but, like every time they show him wearing like different glasses and one of them had like sea monkeys and he's like I can't Oh, because he was crying. He was so emotional. So, like, his, his glasses were filling up like fish tanks. Oh, okay. I, was, I thought it was, like, a different pair of glasses every time they showed him. No. <laughs> no. no, that, that, was, that he was just, he was crying so much that his, his glasses His glasses were filled up filling with, up like, like, tanks and like a fish tiny in fish in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I didn't get that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I thought it was more clever that it was like a different pair of eyeglasses every time they... Whatever. Unfortunately, no. 
I'm trying to think the the other gags that I liked about this movie. Um, there was like one recurring gag with people sitting down, and there's like a little dog that yips. Oh, that so, is like, that supposed on... to be Valeria's Ramada's dog? I don't know if it's supposed to be or anybody's dog, dog specifically, but you know, it's just anytime they sit down, you hear a yip. Yeah, and then they pick up a little dog and they pet it, and it walks away, <laughs> and yeah. then you know. 20 minutes later it happens again i think it i think it works because it's so spaced out that you kind of forget about it yeah because even like near the end the dog appears right and then um do you think that opening scene where topper meets ramada is that a cool as ice reference oh yeah i was thinking about that so he's on his motorcycle and he sees a girl on a horse doing tricks and riding and then they sort of do a trick off like he's doing stuff on his motorcycle she's doing all kinds of stuff on her See, horse was... and like treating the trees as parallel bars and doing gymnastics yeah. and stuff so like is that a cool as ice reference but cool as ice came out after yeah cool as ice was released in october of 91 yeah and this is you know this july. is july so I feel like that's just a coincidence. There, how could they know? I don't know, but the scenes seem very similar, don't they? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, but how would they know? I don't know. Is Cool as Ice a Hot Shots reference? Well, the way <laughs> Probably that... not. I don't think so. I no. think that was just... Maybe there's like a horse motorcycles <laughs> i don't even know <laughs> what that's just a thing in 1991 yeah i don't know <laughs> if we see it in a third movie then it'll be like what what's the deal with <laughs> yeah. it? i mean if it'll like, be like overcrowded if, hospitals if there was a motorcycle motif. well there was a motorcycle in wild hearts can't be broken but it, there wasn't like a not, scene not alongside a horse yeah. i know yeah but, <laughs> i don't know we'll, we'll keep it if anyone knows let us know um but it seemed it seemed too on the nose for it to not be a reference to that. It's, I thought the same. I was like, oh, this is cool as ice. And then that's when I had to look up which was released first. This was released. This movie was released first. And there's no way that there was a scene in Top Gun where. No, Kelly McGillis was, was not a riding a horse. Yeah, I didn't think so. I don't know. That was very odd. And it was a long scene. Compared to Cool's Ice, which is pretty short. Mm. Um, I mean, that scene was whatever. Yeah, it was fine. But again, you know, a lot of the stuff is just, you know, you kind of expect what's what the jokes are going to be. Yeah, and then they show, like, the whole montage when they're falling in love. Or, yeah, falling in love, I guess. <laughs> Where they start referencing other scenes of movies like superman yeah and gone with the wind gone with the wind they do some rocky yeah i'm trying to think of like other scenes i think those are the main three and it's just weird and he's singing only you yeah like a weird lip sync of only you uh a lot of uh 50s music you know 60s motown but that's the primary soundtrack of this which is fine there's, it's just it's a little weird but well because i mean top, top, gun, top gun had you know him singing to kelly mcgillis in the bar mm. do you remember that not really 
That's what... So that's what that's, that's supposed to be. supposed to be. Well, sort of, because then you have um, that bar scene. And that's when they had the fight. Like, But before the fight, it was Valeria who... That, that's another reference to like the fabulous Baker Boys. Oh, where she's on the piano. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's also kind of a trope probably before Fabulous Baker Boys of the woman singing on top of the piano. And, yeah. Yeah. And then he comes in and starts playing the piano. Right. And then that's when that fight scene starts with, you know, him and Carrie Eloise. I just think there's... I, I will say that I think there's a good enough balance between jokes and plot. Like I said, the plot kind of doesn't matter... I mean the the one thing it's it also it's also kind of like cringy with but I know it was referencing like dances with wolves where oh, you know yeah. he's like hidden in like the desert with you know he has like an older American Indian man just with him and mm-hmm. they have that peace pipe which when they suck on it it's like it's actually a helium helium boy. and then when they talk they do that you know chipmunk voice and i was like i mean i probably thought that was funny when i was like 10 but watching it now i was just like eh. yeah like that those scenes but, but i know they're ref- i know they're <laughs> referencing dances with wolves yes yeah there's there's because he's like this recluse that you know just lives in a tent with this older american and, and then the way that he they're speak they're supposed to be speaking like in Native like a American native language, language some... but he's just saying like random like cities. Yeah, just and native, street native names, American basically words and names that have been used for cities and towns. Like stuff that you you know like Saskatoon and like all these native and I know American. I said like Tito and Jermaine and Latoya. Yeah, he was like just that. saying random names, but using you know city names while he was talking to. His Native American friend, I guess. And also Commander Block, who's trying to get him to come in there. Yeah. and But then, I forgot what his... You know, he said that he had, like, a Native American name, and I forgot. Yeah, I don't remember what it was, either. I didn't write it down. He's, he was like, it means blah, blah, blah. And then, at the end, where Valeria... This was also, like, cringy because Valeria... Well, he just leaves. After the whole mission After is done. After the mission's done, he leaves. Because he thinks that she's back with Kent. Yeah, because they hug. Get but away she's from trying him. to get away from... But I do. I will say that Carrie Elwes is good in this. I don't know. I think they're this all like good. The... <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think they're the acting is bad at all. I think in terms of comedic acting, you got Lloyd Bridges as Admiral Benson, who does it yeah. best. He's closer to it, but I mean, he's been in Airplane One and Two. He knows the he knows the routine. He knows like how to do it, like Leslie Nielsen would, you know. Like, and he's also a comedic actor. You know, he had his own like comedy show in the '60s and everything. And so, uh, this is like, yeah, this is kind of like the beginning of. Well, I guess Princess Bride is, like, more of the beginning of Carrie Elwes doing comedy. Probably. Because then, you know, after this, he does Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yes. Which is a better spoof movie. Yeah, he had done, you know, things like 
The Bride, which is a sort of horror movie with Sting, and he'd done Days of Thunder. Um, He's in Dracula and Twister and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, he has you know, done some episodes of The pleased. X-Files yeah, and like Saw later than this and Stranger Things. And he's actually going to be in the new Mission Impossible that's coming up soon, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does a mix, but yeah, I think Princess Bride was probably his first foray into comedic Com- acting. And yeah. again, he did play that role relatively dramatically, but I think he did mug more in The Princess Bride yeah. Then here, which, which benefits Princess Bride. Yeah, he like, does the same he does in, it in Men, the right Men in Tights. Probably, yeah. I, it's been a long time since I've seen Men in Tights. It's not since, like, 1993 when it came out did I see that movie. I know that's one of your favorites. Yeah, it is one of my favorites. <laughs> so if we ever do 93 movie rewind, that'll, that'll be, like, episode one. That'll be, like, my top ten. <laughs> yeah. Uh... So, I mean, I don't think the acting's necessarily bad in this. It just doesn't doesn't fit the comedic tone for most of these people. I think William O'Leary as Deadney Thompson did a good job with it, too. Um, John Cryer, I don't know. Washout. fine. I think it's just, I think just his character is bad. Yeah, I, I was like, who is he supposed to be referencing in... Well, like in Top Gun, all I remember... The characters are, you know, Maverick, Goose, mm-hmm. and the Iceman. I don't remember, like, any of the other characters, yeah. quote-unquote, in that, in that, in Top Gun. Yeah, in the squadron. Yeah. I know there are more. I, those mm-hmm. are just, like, the three main characters. Yeah, and, and then here, I mean, you have people who are high up on the credits list who have character names. Like, I don't remember what they did or even if they had a line in Kowalski played by Christy Swanson had two lines in the whole thing pretty much I mean the the parts where they referenced her like being ugly I mean that that was all she like, was just, just like calling for, like, her ugly scene. even though she's like this pretty woman yeah and the funny part with her was when you know they did that whole referencing like oh they they all like had all this stuff in common it's like, oh, you grew up in blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, we're cousins. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it, most of this movie just didn't land for me. There were a couple of good scenes. I kind of liked the flashbacks with Buzz and Mailman, especially the second one. Where yeah, the second scene. flashback like, was funny. Bill Irwin did such a great amount of like slapstick comedy there, which I think makes sense. I, I, didn't, I didn't find this... Uh, I should have looked it up. I didn't. I think Bill Irwin had played like Buster Keaton or something like that, or Laurel, or Har- uh, maybe what, Stan like Laurel in, a... in some some feature or something like that. Oh, and that's why. And so, like, he knows how to do this stuff. Um, clearly, I I think he was really good. You know, like walking against the wind and doing all kinds of physical comedy while he was trying to like fix this plane that's going down. Mm-hmm. Well, Ryan Styles, the mailman, like, is like, like and... hurry up, man. Like, yeah. The... <laughs> like, I'm about to crash. How dare you? Mm-hmm. Um, and this poor guy is like, yeah, he's getting, um, like, duct tape and whatever. Yeah, and a stapling. Like a stapler. Back together <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was funny. And, and it's just good physical comedy to watch. And then he does, like, this, you know, Stretch Armstrong thing where he... the wing is flying off. 
Yeah. And he's trying to keep the wing on by, you know, clinging onto the plane, and then his hands are on the wing, and his whole body stretches. Yeah, and then exactly. Yeah, and then it shows his socks, and then, like, Ryan Stiles is like, oh, those are my socks. You know, just, yeah. like, naming all these things. Yep. But, yeah, so, uh, I mean, that's a really good scene. And I think Bill, Ir- Bill Irwin has a lot of range as an actor, by the way. So, I think we've talked about Emil's World Mr. Noodle at some point before. I don't remember how it came up in a past episode, but he- Bill Irwin is Mr. Noodle in Emil- Elmo's World. Uh, so, kids will know him from that. But he also has done stuff like winning the Tony for Best Actor in 2005 for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? (laughs) Like, if that doesn't Mm -hmm. show you range, then I don't know what does. So, I don't know. It was also kind of weird seeing Ryan Stiles in this, in general. I don't know. It's... He wasn't well-known at this time, obviously. I I knew him from the British version of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Because he started that in 1989. Yeah, the, and then I'm, this is our second Who's Line person we've yeah, seen. Yeah, second alum of Who's Line in this podcast with Josie Lawrence. I haven't, yeah, because when I see Ryan Stiles, I don't, I know he's been in, because the other thing is that he's been in Two and a Half Men yeah. with John Cryer and Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. I wonder if they talk about this movie on the set back then. Right. But he, he hasn't done much acting I mean he hasn't really. he hasn't like it's, he's in like random TV shows and the biggest one is Drew Carey show which ran yeah. for 230 plus episodes I think that's where I remember him besides whose line whose line yeah was that but I I just figured that because Drew Carey was in whose line at some point like he was the host and for yeah, the US a couple one. Of years after Drew Carey show started he Drew Carey like, got the power within ABC to do other projects and he brought whose line back to right. American television or I guess he brought it to American television maybe for the first time but anyway it was kind of weird seeing Ryan Stiles in that I don't know if I would have recognized him at the time because honestly most of the time he has like a face mask on yeah because he's actively in a plane as a pilot so it's not really easy to recognize that that's who it is. Um, yeah, Drew Carey was the first. It's the first American. The first American, and it's only been Drew Carey and Aisha Tyler. So Drew Carey did seasons one through eight, which started in nineteen ninety eight to two thousand seven. And then he also had a side project like this green screen show. Mm. green screen improv show thing that didn't really last but I know that Ryan Stiles is involved in that too okay but yeah we're getting way off track (laughs) but there's not much else to talk about with this movie I mean there's a lot of gags in here a lot of them don't really work anymore or just aren't super funny like relevant this movie does not stand the test of time i guess yeah and maybe it's just because a lot of the comedy is it was funny 30 years ago and a lot of this is not funny now Mm -hmm. and that's when like comparing it to naked gun i feel like that is a timeless funny movie yeah i think there's a lot of more a lot more things that come out of left field 
Yeah. This has a lot of stuff that you would expect to see happen. So even though they're gags of, you know, stuff that happens on upon landing and takeoff and, you know, people having stuffed Garfields on their windows of their plane right. and stuff I like mean, that. And how's my flying stickers? You know. I'm surprised they didn't have, like, baby on board or something. Did they? <laughs> I think they might have. Yeah, I mean, they but, had something similar. You know, the gas mileage sticker. You know, it's a lot of things that if you think, if you're brainstorming what gags would be for yeah, that's about five I minutes, like then this, you this is come so, up with like, everything that's in the movie. Like, like, very high school. Like, I don't know. Yeah, you don't have... Stuff like people on the baseball field and all of a sudden a tiger comes out and mauls him. Right. You know? You don't have that level of unexpected happening and in that's, this. I, that's why I was thinking, I feel like um, I haven't seen this movie in a while either with Charlie Sheen. Oh, Major League? Yeah, Major League. I feel like I thought Major League was better. Oh, Major League is definitely better. I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember... But it's not a spoof movie. Oh, okay. I thought it was. No. <laughs> I just remember... I thought it spoofed, like, other baseball movies. No, I don't... I mean, maybe to a degree it does, but, like, that's not... Yeah, it's, it's meant to be just more of a straight-up comedy. Okay, alright, because I was like... I like Major League more than this. Yeah. Even though I haven't seen it <laughs> in a while. <laughs> Yeah, Major League is, is more of an all-time classic. I mean, you know, this one also has the fake credits, but, you know, not as yeah, interesting no, as the Naked Gun ones. It's no basically bloopers. just a couple of recipes in there. Yeah, no bloopers. Which I'm uh, kind of sad about, but it just had, yeah, in the beginning, it had, like, a brownie recipe, and then in the middle, it had, um, like, a list of things to do after the movie was over. And, like, none of it's funny. Yeah, none of them, like, one of them was, like, start a book club or go to a dairy farm and see how milk is made or something. And I'm yeah. just like, okay. Yeah. And then after that, there's a recipe for knobby buns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's about it. So, yeah, it's weird. It's, like, two two recipes and, like, a small list. There's really Th- that's no, what I was no like, why this? Why that? Wordplay, yeah. Just to have something in there. And then I think at the end it had some little line of, oh, if you would have left when the credits started, you would have been home by now. Yeah, whatever. So I mean, again, that's like why very, I'm thinking, like, this is so... Very basic. Yeah. So Jim Abrahams, uh, who is the director of this, he's Emmy-nominated for a police squad. Uh, he's also the director of other spoof movies like Airplane, Top Secret, uh, non-spoof movies like Ruthless People. He also did Hot Shots Part 2, of course. As a writer, he's done Naked Gun, Kentucky Fried Movie, Mafia, which was, I think, Leslie Nielsen's last movie, perhaps, uh, and Scary Movie 4. Pat Proft, who is the writer and also had a little role as Lawrence Lips, who I think was the uh, the first singer in the bar. All right. You know, he started like a song. He's like, oh, thank you very much. I'll be here all week type of a thing. Emmy nominated. We talked about him before because he also helped with Naked Gun two and a half Emmy nominated for the Van Dyke and Company show back in 1977 and also a Stinkers nominee for Scary Movie 3 Charlie Sheen is Topper Harley four time Emmy nominee for Two and a Half Men he has a Golden Globe win for his role in Spin City when he took over for Michael J. Fox on that show 
Razzie nominee for Scary Movie 5. So we have 3, 4, and 5 covered. Uh, he's done stuff like Platoon, Wall Street, 8 Men Out, Major League, like we talked about, Loaded Weapon 1, The Arrival, and uh, other show called Anger Management, which lasted for 100 episodes. I had no idea it lasted that long. Well, I think he eventually got fired from that. Probably. I'm not going to talk about him, by the way. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is his only 1991 movie. Well, I was like... He's infamous enough that you probably know the story. He's done too much where I was like, that would be like a whole hour talking about his issues. Yeah, Carrie Elwes we covered as well. He'll be in the 1991 movie Leather Jackets. Valeria Golino is Ramada Thompson. She'll be in a couple more 1991 movies, Year of the Gun and The Indian Runner. She was in stuff like Rain Man, Big Top Pee Wee, Clean Slate, Escape from L.A., uh, more recently Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and also she's on that uh, The Morning Show on Apple Plus or whatever that service is called. She's also a writer-director of the critically acclaimed 2013 movie Honey. Lloyd um, um, Lloyd Bridges we talked about already as well. Uh, Kevin Dunn, who played Commander Block, we didn't really talk about his character. He's basically, he's one of the villains in the movie. He's, you know, basically using Topper Harley as a uh, way to sabotage this project, Sleepy Weasel, whatever it is they're talking about, in order to get certain planes to be funded by the government. He's in cahoots with the plane manufacturers. Uh, Brother of Nora Dunn, he's also going to be in the 1991 movie Only the Lonely. He's known as being the dad in Transformers movie. I don't remember whose dad, if it's mm-hmm. Shia LaBeouf or if it's Megan Fox's dad. I know him from being in Veep. But yes, like he's recently. also been he's been in he's been in Veep as Ben Cafferty, and then also another Julie Louis Dreyfus comedy Day by Day from mm. back in the eighties, pre Seinfeld. Speaking of Seinfeld, Mrs. Deadmeat. Yes. Heidi Swedberg was Susan Ross in Seinfeld. Yeah. So I wanted to mention that really quickly here. Uh, and then we got John Cryer as Washout, Jim Washout Pfaffenbach. Two Emmy wins and five more nominations for Two and a Half Men. He was in Pretty in Pink, Morgan Stewart's Coming Home, TV show Famous Teddy Z. And he's been in Superman 4 as a character named Lenny, and then Supergirl as Lex Luthor. So, that's about it, I think, for cast and crew. In terms of awards, really nothing to speak about. We do have an MTV Movie Awards show clip montage. It was shown Mm. in uh, in the quotes montage, don't know what quote, and also in the Best Inanimate Objects montage what was that i if i had to guess it would probably be the bomb that fell on saddam hussein's lap oh okay you know because patriotism and whatnot (laughs) (laughs) you know there's a little gag of how he gets blown up but evidently actually saddam is in hot shots part two as well part two sorry part duh part duh uh, That's all I got. So we're on to true crime and pop culture. Um, okay, so July 31st, 1991 was a Wednesday, which I thought that was weird. This was released on a Wednesday? Yeah, I don't know if they're trying to avoid some other summer movie. 
but whatever. I mean, they. It, I the other thing that money. I saw that was interesting was that this film was chosen for the nineteen ninety one Royal Film Performance. Do you know about that? No. Like the Royal Film Performance is like an event that the Queen has, where she attends like a major film premiere each year. Hmm. And this in year nineteen ninety one was this movie hmm. for some reason. <laughs> She's not into Terminator. But the I was looking at the history of all the movies for every single year since like nineteen forty whatever. Since she became I don't know they started it in nineteen forty six. So what does she only do one a year? Yeah. And for this year, 2022, she attended the Top Gun Maverick. Hmm. So maybe she just really likes airplane film. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that the, air, the airplane scenes in this were good. They yeah, nice. I don't know if she's... Because, okay, do you want me to name some other ones that she's... For each year? Yeah, you can do a couple. So let... They obviously for COVID they didn't do anything in twenty one twenty twenty one or twenty twenty, but two thousand nineteen she went to nineteen seventeen. Before that was Spectre. And then before that was the second best exotic marigold hotel. Okay. I'm like I'm like, how are these chosen? Do they have like British connections for a couple of those? I mean nineteen seventeen, that makes sense. Yeah, that one I understood. Second, but I just the second best marigold or whatever. I think that's you know like set a in, British. Yeah, set yeah. In, maybe. I, I don't know. Did she do Hot Shots Part Two for '93? Yeah, she did The Man Without a Face for 1993. Oh, I know. So what happened? A couple things that happened on July 31st was that the rush that Russia and US signed a long-range nuclear weapons reduction pact? Okay. And the Senate votes to allow women to fly combat aircraft oh. on this day. So what, Kowalski was illegal up to this I point? Guess so. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting yeah. when this movie came out, women were allowed to fly air combat aircrafts. Hmm. Moving on to TV. So I, we have a TV guide, which we can scan some of these. Yes, it's a special TV guide. Yeah, the the 2000th issue. And, I mean, we're going to have... This TV guide especially had a lot of interesting ads that I want scanned. <laughs> we'll, put, we'll put a couple in there. But on TV, on ABC... These were all re repeats because it's summertime. But then, you know, you still have the summer shows. Mm-hmm. So on ABC was The Wonder Years, Growing Pains, Doogie Hauser. Those were all repeats. And then after that was a show we talked about, like, a couple weeks ago, The Man in the Family. Hmm. I think that's the one with Ray Sharkey in it. Okay. Because I know there was that, and then there was that other one that had the same title, pretty yeah. much. And in the TV guide, the episode 
says that this is the last episode, a seven-week run. Hmm. So this was the last episode, the seventh episode, which is a touching and introspective story in which Sal, played by Ray Sharkey, gets a revealing look at himself. And then good after, for him. Yeah, and then it's like they knew it was gonna end. Yeah, maybe it was meant to be a limited series. I don't know. I don't know. And after that, there was a busted pilot, but I was having problems trying to find this. Okay. Because it's just called Deadline. Oh yeah, that's that's a tough one to find. Because <laughs> <laughs> I kept on getting like Dateline, but um. When I kept on looking it up, I did Deadline 1991, and it kept on referencing a Tales from the Crypt episode. Oh, interesting. But this is ABC, but there was a Tales from a Crypt episode on this night at the same time. Hmm. And I was like, did they just show a Tales from the Crypt episode? I doubt it. Either way, it the the ep, the tales from the crypt episode was about a down on his luck journalist look, who looks to crack the mystery of a killer stalking the homeless. So, but on on a, in the TV guide, do you, do you see anything called Deadline? No. So in the TV so guide, the online thing might just be wrong. It could be in the TV guide in the ABC slot. It was at nine p.m. It's a show called... It just says Crime Drama, The Bay City Story. It's about a San Francisco TV reporter aided by his new researcher focuses his investigation on a mobster after the murder of a fellow journalist and the mobster's girlfriend. And then it says this is not an ABC announced fall schedule. So I wonder if that was... The busted pilot. Yeah, it could be. Or maybe certain markets had different ones, too. Yeah. Okay, and then on CBS, there, they had an episode of The Police Squad, which I thought was funny. Wow. And then there's a show called Morton and Hayes. Do you know anything about... Have you heard about... No. This show, I'm like extremely curious. It's a comedy series that was cre- directed and created by Rob Reiner and Christopher Guest. Okay. And it was, it's only like a short lived six episode show, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like. A documentary spoof, so kind of like how documentary now is. Sure, okay. Now. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like a thir- each episode is a 30-minute 30 min- 30 presentation style of a documentary in which the host, Rob Reiner, introduces a long-lost comedy film short. Hmm. And it starred Kevin Pollack. And this episode was... Morton and Hayes scares up some notable guest stars, this time featuring Penelope Ann Miller and Michael McKeon in a horror movie spoof. Hmm. So I'm 
Like, I'm, like, really curious to watch this yeah. <laughs> show. And the, the episode was called The Bride of Mummula. So okay. Penelope Ann Miller was, you know, the love interest. And Michael McKeon was the mummy dra- slash Dracula. That's, I guess, it's like a mummy Dracula alter ego. <laughs> I'm interested. I'm ready for it. Yeah, and then after that was Circus of the Stars. Oh, okay. <laughs> I watched those things back then, yeah. I enjoyed that stuff. I don't know if I did. If it had animals, I obviously didn't watch it. Yeah, I think we've had this conversation on here before, yeah. Okay, yeah. Anything with, like, I don't know, using animals for entertainment just bothers me. And so on... NBC, there was an Unsolved Mysteries, which we can probably talk about some other time. Yeah, we did not watch it for this. And after that, these are all repeats of Night Court, Seinfeld, and Quantum Leap. And then moving on to music, the bottom five of the Billboard 100 as of August 2nd, 1991... Um, I went down a rabbit hole again. <laughs> uh, number 100 was this song called Borrowed Love by the Bingo Boys. And we talked about the Bingo Boys a few weeks ago because they did a dance rap song with the rapper Princess, which I spoke about before. She was a backup singer for Vanilla Ice. Yeah. So this is their second hit. Okay. Kind of like the B-side. Because <laughs> this movie, this song is not as great as the other song that was on the charts. But that was, it peaked at number 71 and it was six weeks, six weeks on the chart. And then this next song, ni- number 99 was by this group Desire and the song is called Forever Amore the video for this is amazing to me (laughs) it's all like I found out that they are like a Chicago based freestyle group I've never heard of them or this song but now I'm obsessed and um just the video shows like the water tower or something like that <laughs> and like them Chicago landmarks yeah just stuff. random Chicago lo- landmarks but it's like them like sort of singing and dancing in a fountain so it was nine weeks on the charts and it peaked in number 77 and then I also found like a YouTube clip where they were playing in some Chicago club in 1991 but you know the f- it, it was like very bad like feedback it was like someone recorded it on their camcorders because on the corner of it it said like april blah 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 1991 yeah and number 98 is black box strike it up which which we you may not know by name but if you heard it you you know it. you would know it it's like a jock jams staple that's 18 weeks on the chart and it peaked at number eight Number 97 is 
Man, I went down a rabbit hole with this person, sort of. Because I've never heard of this song or her. Um, number 97 is a song called Pump It Nice and Hard by this rapper. She's a white lady by the name of Icy Blue. Okay. And she samples the Push It, Salt and Pepper's Push It. Mm. And, but she's saying pump it. And um, I, was, I looked her up and she her real name is Laurel Yearchick. She's from Austin, Texas. And she only had two songs that were on the Billboard 100. But she was like very popular in Australia for some reason. Hmm. And then uh, I found out last year, so this is true crime. Last year, she was a part of a federal drug trafficking charge. There's 21 people were arrested April 2021 on federal drug trafficking charges in Austin, Texas. Interesting. That's what she's been up to. She's forty six <laughs> years. She's forty seven years old now. Wow. But I couldn't find anything else. I I just googled her name, and this is like one of the first things that came up. It was like, oh, okay, she's drug trafficking. Yeah, she's doing good. Uh, number ninety six is Glenn Frey. Do you know who he is? Glenn Fry. Fry. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Glenn Fry. I, this song part of me part of you it's i've never heard this song but it's on the thelma and louise soundtrack oh so we might talk about or we'll hear it yeah when then. we when we watch thelma and louise that was 13 weeks on the charts and it peaked at number 55 the icy blue song was five weeks on the chart and it peaked at 78 so we'll move on to rankings and ratings where on your one to five star scale are you going to put Hot Shots? All right, I'm going to give this a two. Yeah, I think I gave Nikki Gun two and a half a two and a half. If I gave it a two on my zero to four star scale, I'm still going to give this a two, but it'll be like lower than Nikki Gun. Like it's it, the yeah, movie's I think fine. I gave Nikki Gun a three. Yeah, I think you probably is... did. It's been it. so long now. <laughs> We're on what episode like 65, 64, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's not as good as Naked Gun, but it's really not terrible. It just doesn't land. A lot of the jokes don't work. Just don't work this day and age. Uh every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch this again? Sure. Like I would watch the. I'm curious about the second one. Me too. I yeah. I definitely want to watch the second one before I watch this a second time. Um. Man, it's tough to put this over. You know, again, either of the two naked guns. I'd watch Loaded Weapon one with Charlie Sheen before I'd watch this again. You know, I'd just I'd go with other spoof movies and see how those are instead. Yeah. I don't know, maybe just airplane stuff isn't my thing either. So you don't like Top Gun? Top Gun was fine. I don't understand oh. why it's like an all-time classic. Oh. But again, I'd have to probably watch it again now, because it's been so long. 
Yeah, maybe you're just not into airplane stuff then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not super into horses, and I'm not super into airplanes, <laughs> And then perhaps. those were two things that were showcased. <laughs> that's, that's this whole thing. Maybe that's why I like the dog joke the most. Uh, I also really like the joke about, like, when the guy was getting the blood transfusion and the the person who was giving the blood just oh. kind of collapsed on himself. Yeah. That was interesting. Anyway, it's not our first choice <laughs> we'll say that in terms of watching it again but if you out there want to watch hot shots as it is recording on may 2022 it's available through youtube with ads or digital rental vhs dvd as always check your local listings as for us you can listen to us on all your major podcasting platforms please remember to rate review subscribe tell your friends you can email us at 1991 movie at gmail.com Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991MovieRewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week we're starting June and we're going to do a word association month. We're starting with A Brighter Summer Day. That's available on Criterion Channel, Canopy, Digital Rental, DVD. We will see you then.